Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass in the middle. Tucker's got it. Room to run. 15, 10. Hit, oh. hit in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me want to Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. In go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7. FM heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing. ESPN app. It's kind of a weird day here in central New York. It's uh, as they like to say in the weather world, hazy, hot, and humid. It's a heat index day in central New York. Some parts of central New York getting ready for some uh, some thunderstorms coming through. It's cloudy. It's so it's hot, but it's cloudy, and you're kind of confused on what to do. So uh, just sit in the air conditioning and, and listen to us. And then problem solved right there. Or you could watch us. You have a heat stroke in there, Brent? I thought this was a radio show. It is. But what we do is we take the radio product and we place it on a magical adventure called QSportsTalk.com where you can watch the program, you can chat throughout the program, and you can get what we like to call the show within the show, meaning when the radio audience goes to commercial breaks, our friends on QSportsTalk do not. They refuse. They say, we will not stand for this. We want our own content during commercial breaks. Keep that microphone on. Keep that camera on. I demand you talk about many things to us exclusively during radio breaks. So we said, okay, that's cool. We can do that. So however you're taking in the show today, we greatly appreciate it. It's our last show of the week. Just a few more Fridays off for Uncle Brent before we kick it into full football gear here and get back in the in the grind, if you will, of football season, day two of Syracuse football training camp today. We'll certainly have some Syracuse football things to discuss uh, throughout the afternoon, and you're welcome to join us and do just that at 437-7644. On Twitter, Brent Axe Media, or as mentioned, the live chat at QSportsTalk.com. We have one guest today. The monologue is going to be about this very thing as well. But later in the show, about 525, we are going to bring in our friend David Hale from ESPN, the Syracuse alum, uh, one of the best college football writers out there. He wrote a piece today. That is just terrific. It's kind of makes you sad as well as a fan here in the Northeast and you know the challenges that face Syracuse, Boston College, Pittsburgh, and these Northeast football programs to keep pace in the college football world. It's a good reminder. It's a, you know, in order to know where you're going, you have to know where you've been. And to think about where Northeastern football used to be 
to think about conference realignment and where we're heading and Syracuse's place in all of this. It's always been in a state of flux in a lot of ways, but a good history lesson takes us to where we're going. So we're going to talk to David about his piece, where Syracuse stands in that. You know, the conference realignment stuff has settled down a little bit. It's not to say things aren't stirring underwater. You know, that duck looking calm on the surface, but below the surface, things are going a million miles per hour. We'll get the David's latest intel on what's going down in conference realignment and, of course, to get a Syracuse spin on that, as always. So we're looking forward to David Hale joining the program at 525. It's our last show of the week, meaning it's draft day. Here on the block, we like to draft the Mount Rushmore of things. And today we're going back to a true draft. We had a lot of fun with the baseball walk-up song draft last week, but that was kind of an arranged production, if you will. We knew between the three of us, Josh, Jordan, and I, that we would not pick the same song. But in order for it to really be a true, nothing wrong with doing that once in a while, but in order for it to be a true draft, there's got to be a sense of, he might take my pick, or he might pick this before me. So today's draft is going to go right back to that. In honor of Vin Scully, we are going to draft the Mount Rushmore of play-by-play guys, and gals, for that matter. Uh, there is a caveat here. No offense, Vin, but uh, we're not doing dead or alive here. We're doing uh, currently alive play-by-play broadcasters. You can't pick Vin Scully or Harry Carey or you know somebody that has, has uh, passed on. But we will do it in honor of one Vin Scully ticket. My Dodger color is on. Not even a Dodger fan. There you go, Vin. Uh, so we'll have some fun with that later in the show. Hot takes to come on uh, Brittany Griner and a message from uh, the most notable Syracuse uh, native. I was about to say alum, but not an alum. A native on the Brittany Griner situation. And uh, this pr- uh, particular Central New York native can speak exactly to what Brittany Griner is going through in a, in a certain standpoint. And her voice carries weight. And she's calling out the, the president, amongst other people, to help in this situation. If you missed it today, Brittany Griner is going to be sentenced to about nine and a half years for possession of a vape pen in Russia. And there's still negotiation going on between the United States and Russia. But, you know, this has become just a, a political bungalow here. So we will get into that, amongst other things, some hot takes. But we start with this. Per David Hale's terrific piece, which we will talk to him about later on in the show. Location, location, location. The hardest thing for a team like Syracuse football to overcome. A few years ago, I did a, what I guess you would call a mini documentary, right? I should pull up the clip for you here. We'll do that uh, in the next segment so you can hear it. So I did a 30-year anniversary piece on the 1987 undefeated Syracuse football. Think about that for a second, by the way. Undefeated Syracuse University football team. This was 1987, which uh, to some is decades and decades ago. It is quite literally in a sense. But, like, that is so far out of the consciousness of conversation they cannot fathom it. I can fathom it. I was 10 at the time, but I lived it. I was there. I was at pretty much all those home games and – Syracuse football then was Syracuse football. I bring that up not only for the reference that a Syracuse football team could go undefeated and be square in the conversation for a national championship and have a Heisman Trophy candidate and somebody who should have won the Heisman Trophy 
flat out in Donnie McPherson, had his Heisman Trophy stolen by uneducated Heisman voters who went with the guy from Notre Dame. Tim Brown had a great year. I'm not trying to take anything away from Tim Brown, but Donnie McPherson won that Heisman, but we've had that discussion a hundred times. But see, what happened when Syracuse beat Penn State that year, in 1987, the first time that Syracuse had defeated mighty Joe Paterno in Penn State in, I believe, 17 years. Joe Paterno comes into the Syracuse locker room. So for context here, I always tell my uh, broadcasting students that when you do an interview, this is a little tough to do with a live interview, but when you do a recorded interview, there's always something you say at the end. And what you say, you're getting a free lesson here, kids. What you say is, is there anything I didn't ask that you'd like to add? So I'm talking to Daryl Johnson, Moose Johnson, here in Syracuse. And it was right around this time of year, by the way. He was up here for, uh, I believe his kid was at, uh, I don't know if it was Syracuse's camp. He was at some sort of, I think it was actually a lacrosse camp, if I recall correctly. But the point being, Daryl and I have this great conversation about this 87 football team, including a, a nugget. Video still up on YouTube if you guys haven't seen it. I would encourage you to do it. I think we did an excellent job on that, if I do say so myself. But he tells all these great stories about that team and McPherson's Heisman candidacy and how one of his teammates wrote on a dollar bill, Syracuse football, 1987 undefeated champions in August, and he taped it on the wall at a local establishment. And who knows where that is because he almost foretold the future there. But we get done with the conversation. I said, okay, Daryl, is there anything you'd like to add that I did not ask? And Daryl tells this story. He goes, you know, I remember this time when, you know, when we beat Penn State and Joe Paterno comes in the locker room afterwards. Folks, you got to think about, I know what the name Joe Paterno means now, but you got to remember what Joe Paterno meant then. I mean, he was the name in Northeast football. He's one of the names in college football. It just was enemy number one for Syracuse football. That was to an extent, a rivalry. It was a one-sided rivalry, but Syracuse knocks down Penn State. Paterno comes in the Syracuse locker room, and Paterno says, go win this for the Northeast. Think of the pride that was there. He knew he had been defeated. He knew that Syracuse had taken his spot that they were used to occupying. And We were a few years away from Paterno, as David Hale points out in his piece, trying to form some sort of Northeast football conference, which did not come to fruition. The Big East kind of became that. But think of the pride in that statement. Paterno comes in and says, you guys go win this for the Northeast. Think about what Syracuse was, what Boston College was. A few, I mean, it was just three years removed from Doug Flutie and one of the greatest plays in the history of college football. Penn State remains a power, but what Penn State was then – See, in the late 1980s, early 1990s, and even before that, a lot of these schools were Notre Dame. Not that they had the power and influence of Notre Dame. Some did. Not that they were as consistently successful as Notre Dame, but they were independent, which made it easier for these schools to compete and get in that conversation. And remember, the structure of college football was different. The national championship was decided by a poll, the AP poll in the coaches' poll, and as flawed as that was, that, that's how they did it. So Paterno, as Hale reminds us, wanted to form kind of a Northeast football conference, and it didn't quite come to fruition. And the Big East was formed, but the Big East quickly was taken down. After that, when uh, first Miami, Boston College, Virginia Tech get 
recruited and gone to the ACC. Syracuse and Pittsburgh go, and Syracuse is now in the ACC. Great. But think about what Syracuse was drawing from in the late 1980s, early 1990s, and you can expand it beyond that, but just kind of plant yourself in that place. I think of a guy like Tim Green, one of the best college football players in the country, right here, right in Syracuse's backyard. How Syracuse could just walk into the state of New Jersey, and, and George DeLeon and Paul Pasqualoni and other names that I'm leaving out here could just essentially like turn on a vacuum and just take all the players out of New Jersey because Rutgers was just a perennial loser. That six-hour radius that was so important, any player within that radius that wasn't going to Penn State or maybe a Boston College or Pitt or something of that nature because they had emotional ties to the area, they went here. Now think of how national the sport is. That six-hour radius is still important, but it depends on that six-hour radius. It's not a good one for Syracuse. New York high school football, God bless it, is nowhere near the level of the talent of a Texas, of a Pennsylvania, of a Florida in particular, right? These things haven't changed through the years, but it's harder for Syracuse. Pennsylvania is only an hour or so away, but you are on such a long list of schools that come before you. New Jersey has been taken back by Rutgers and Shiano and by Penn State and, and others. Syracuse just can't stroll in there and just kind of, Say, all right, Pied Piper time, follow me to the then Carrier Dome, now the JMA Wireless Dome. In order for Syracuse to succeed, they have to go above and beyond because location's going to come up. Location, this is not a destination. Syracuse, New York, I love it with all my heart. I will always be a general in the battle to defend Central New York and everything I love about it, but there is a reputation about Syracuse, New York. So you have to go above and beyond. Why am I going to come to Syracuse, New York? Facility is incredible, is iconic, and provides perfect playing conditions six times a year, seven times a year, whatever the case may be. Is your head coach that dynamic that I'm going to listen to him over others and follow his reputation as Syracuse has been able to do with basketball? Like when you think of Syracuse basketball, Jim Beheim, the Carrier Dome, the ACC, the Big East before that, the weather and some of the things that will deter thinking about Syracuse and Central New York come a little further down the list because they have gone above and beyond to make this a destination in that case. And I know they've kind of hit the skids lately, but by and large, right? Location, as David Hale points out, is still the hardest thing for Syracuse to overcome. Now, you have to recruit well, you have to win, you have to have great facilities. We're now in a world of name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, and even with Syracuse's status in a Power 5 conference, which, again, when they were at their peak, when Syracuse football was really at their peak, they didn't belong to a conference. They got into the Big East eventually just by circumstance, and certainly, you know, the McNabb years and a lot of, Big East football was when Syracuse was successful, but it was also when it was starting to crumble apart and no longer a power. Think about it. Joe Paterno walked in the Syracuse locker room not so long ago in the minds of some. They think of it as yesterday and say, go win the national championship for the Northeast. Now, I mean, that that you laugh at the thought that any school from the Northeast is in that conversation. As much as this has become a global game, as much as the technology that we exist has made the world smaller 
and has made recruiting areas more accessible. That hasn't helped somewhere like Syracuse. And I think location, 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 the reputation of Northeast football, or lack thereof, is what hurts it. So it's a real good opportunity, and we do this often, but when something like that comes along, you zoom out and you say, man, is Syracuse doing everything it can to overcome that? And it's why I just laugh when you have an athletic director say that a coach that has one winning season in six years is not on the hot seat. And some of the things that people kind of scoff at that Syracuse has to do in order to be in this in this rat race, if you will. Because you have to go above and beyond because there are just you know programs in the SEC and the Big Ten that have built what they have built based on success, based on winning, based on resources. But half the battle there is just simple location. What is within your six-hour radius? The talent that is there. What football means to those parts of the country. So in order to succeed here and for other schools in the Northeast to succeed, you have to go above and beyond. That's easier said than done, by the way. It's much easier said than done, right? As we'll talk about with David Hale later on. But that hasn't changed. A lot of the dynamics of college football have changed, how you recruit. We mentioned name, image, and likeness, things of that nature. People that come and go, I mean, even coaches that have had success here realize this is not a destination. After you're here for four, five, six years, you start to realize the challenges that were put into place, which, you know, to be fair, some of those have been put aside. And they're trying to fix. I mean, Doug Marone, even 10 years ago, was just banging on the door about facilities and what Syracuse needed. And Daryl Gross, you know, love him or hate him, was doing everything he could to get some of that and succeeded in doing some of that. But, man, he had a hard fight there because of the old guard that was entrenched that just resisted that or told it just wasn't possible or, you know, whatever way to kind of poo-poo it. Oh, we're Syracuse and this is all we're going to be. You don't have those, those big forward thinkers that go beyond that. So when we sit here with a season beginning where you've had one winning season in six years and all the challenges of Syracuse football, one thing may or may not be their own fault. One thing may be beyond their control, even though you've got to do everything you can to overcome that. It just might be simple location. Because look around. Yeah, Pittsburgh was in the ACC championship game last year, and Pittsburgh has become a more successful program consistently but had some down years before that. Boston College pops up every couple of years, has a good year. You know, Phil Dracovic's a good quarterback. He's back. I like what Jeff Halfley's doing there. Penn State's been pretty consistent under James Franklin, but they're fourth or fifth on the list of programs in the Big Ten. Like, is Penn State going to rise above Ohio State, Michigan in the Big Ten? Even for them, the Northeast power, they're fighting for third place in the Big Ten once in a while, once or twice a decade, might crack that list and get up towards the top. This might be something Northeast football can't overcome. Like, when's the last time truly a Northeast coach could go to another Northeast coach and say what Joe Paterno said to Dick McPherson at the time in the Syracuse football team in 1987? Go win this for the Northeast. Location, location, location. It takes a lot to win and to be uh, consistently successful in college football, but that 
just may be the thing working against them the most, and it might you can't change that, right? You can try and overcome it. You can try and distract from it. You can try and push it down the list of reasons for someone to come to Syracuse University, either a coach or a player, but it's the one big thing you can't change. And the one thing that will consistently, again, I say this with no pleasure in my voice because I will always fight the battle for Central New York, but uh, I think all of us, even to the core that love it here, and I am one of those, born and raised here, chose to stay here, raised my family here, and I will fight to the death about all the great virtues of it. There are challenges to overcome. No doubt about it, particularly when we're on this subject. So we'll bring on David Hale later on and get his thoughts on Northeast football and can this be overcome and conference realignment and how that factors in to this conversation here. But the more things change, the more they stay the same in some ways. And when college football changed, location used to benefit Syracuse. It no longer does. So on that note, we'll break. We can uh, keep the college football conversation going here on the other side. It was day two of Syracuse football training camp. We did not have a media access today. The next media opportunity is tomorrow. Defensive and special teams players will talk with the media, so nothing new to add in there. But a few things we can look back on from yesterday and just kind of continue to discuss generally with this team in the here and now. We kind of zoomed out and, and the broader challenges that Syracuse faces, the, the day-to-day stuff. Uh, certainly uh, in the midst of conversation as well. We'll break on that note and come back. Keep that discussion going. Before we do, though, our friend Mike from Lee Baldwin and Company here to tell us how the market did on this Thursday, August the 4th. Mike, how you doing, bud? Good, thanks, Brent. Pretty quiet day on Wall Street today. The S&P closed almost dead flat, down just three points. We did have a nice gain in the NASDAQ, up 52, and the Dow was down 85. So overall... Kind of a flattish day, but we'll take it after, like I said last night, the last six weeks have been pretty good for the market. We have a nice diamond after hours. DoorDash came out with better than expected earnings. The stock's trading up $12 to $94 a share. It's been a rough uh, year or so for that stock, but a nice recovery after hours tonight. And our dog, we're going to go with Yeti. Yeti is on ice is what I'm going to say. They had disappointing earnings (laughs) this morning, and uh, that stock traded down about $10 today to $44. Been a tough year for Yeti. So overall, not a bad day. Pretty quiet on Wall Street, Brent. I love that Yeti joke, Mike. Good stuff there. That That is some magic. I don't know how they do that. Like, you put stuff in a Yeti, and like six weeks later, it's still cold. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. Good product, yeah. Sure is. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. Have a great weekend. That's our friend Mike from Lee Baldwin and Company, where they can lead you to all the diamonds and none of the dogs on your portfolio. We'll step aside, come back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. As uh, as indicated, uh, fair and balanced on this show. During the uh, Q Sports Talk exclusive, I give you the top ten reasons not to drink Mountain Dew versus there was an article, top ten reasons to drink Mountain Dew, thanks to maddieslist.com. Incredible source I put right up there with the New York Times. Jordan, I, I think the list, uh, Josh, I wonder if you would agree, not to drink Mountain Dew, more convincing 
than bit. Maddie's list, which included reasons like it cures hangovers, women rarely drink it, is it green or yellow, crushability, <laughs> and all the people that do extreme sports drink it. Oh, and this, number eight, it's a substitute for bong water. I like that one. I all that was all great reasons to drink Mountain Dew or not. That's a really, really bad idea. Yes, I'm just yeah. going to throw it out not, there. That would also not be drinking it. Just there saying. you have it. <laughs> what is this bong water you speak of? I'm not aware of this. Uh, welcome back. You're on the block ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Jordan and Josh are here not only to discuss Mountain Dew and its many benefits or not. Uh, we're doing the draft a little early today, kids, because uh, the great David Hale is going to join us to discuss his Northeast football article and how that relates to Syracuse. We'll get the re- latest on the ACC conference realignment and talk some college football with David uh, coming up here. So we wanted to have time to do the draft, so we do it now. And the draft this week, in honor of the great Vin Scully, is we are going to draft the Mount Rushmore of play-by-play announcers. Yes. Okay? We did not determine draft order ahead of time. If you're watching on QSportsTalk.com, you see that I, Jordan Capozzi, just made a shot first. I think I'm first. Right? No. Right? Sure. Yeah! No. Guerrilla sure. warfare! Yeah, there you go. Josh doesn't seem to agree with that. I mean, he missed his first shot, then walked up to the hoop and dropped it in. I was surprised he was able to get his hand above the rim. But he did get it in there somehow on a pretty simple shot. I don't think that gets the shenanigans you're trying to pull Uh in this studio. It's the Mountain Dew talking. I like how (laughs) it is the Mountain Dew talking. I just like the boldness of I made a shot. So Jordan will get the first pick. I will pick second. Josh will pick third. Collusion. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I do not stand for this. Just then draft better. That's all. <laughs> Here we go. We are going to draft the play by uh, draft the Mount Rushmore of play by play announcers in Loaded honor of the draft. great Vince Scully. Loaded draft for sure. Uh, there is a provision of the draft. They have to be alive. Okay. Sorry, Vin. We're thinking about you. Rest in peace. But these they don't have to be working play by play announcers, but they must still be alive. Okay. Understood. And this is all encompassing. Like I could have been specific. I actually thought about. Drafting the Mount Rushmore of play-by-play announcers, you'd want to narrate your life. Ooh, that's interesting. Which steps it up a bit. But let, we'll, we'll just stick with the base. That's a completely different draft to me. Yeah, because Snoop Dogg's done play-by-play for Correct. a Kings game. So. Right. And I would want yes. him to be my number one pick. That goes beyond play-by-play guys. For example, I would pick Bill Walton. Okay, the first okay pick. that's oh. good. You know, he's not a play-by-play guy. But we'll stick with the basics I would basics pick Morgan here. Freeman. He would be eligible. He would be eligible. And he would be great at it. He would be amazing. But we'll stick with the basics here. So this is all-encompassing, play-by-play, men and women, and everything they do. And Jordan has the first pick, and we defer over to you. I'm quite nervous that I'm going to look stupid in this draft, but you can't go wrong with this pick. You know, you can call baseball, you can call football, you can call whatever sport. But this man can call squirrels, he can call streakers, and he can call everything in between. Give me Kevin Harlan. Okay. The guy is drunk. I didn't even know you were going to pick that. We had it ready to go on the button bar. I can't disagree with that. He can do Monday Night Football. He can do the NBA. That's primarily what Harlan does, those two sports. You you could drop Kevin Harlan anywhere, and it instantly becomes a better broadcast. Remember last year he was like calling a TV game and a radio game at once or whatever? It was crazy. Really? How many people could pull that It was nuts. Okay. Sorry, I forgot the the little sound effect. 
So uh, I will use it for my pick. The second pick of the play-by-play announcer draft. And my first pick up on Mount Rushmore. Now, it's very sport-specific. Okay, He's not versatile in that we've seen him do a lot of other sports, but I think he's the best play-by-play man alive, and he's not even active anymore. Give me Doc Emmerich. Mm-hmm. Give me the great okay. Doc mm-hmm. Emmerich. For him to call hockey as smoothly as he does, think about this. This is not like Jones to Brown over to, you know, like these are hard names to pronounce the way he kept pace with it, the excitement level, the different ways he would describe how the puck would come off the boards, it waffled off the boards, all these different ways. I mean, Doc Emmerich is the GOAT, in my opinion. Give me Doc. You just reminded me of of another pick, so thank you. You're very welcome. That's what I'm here to do. I will say my first two picks on my board are still available, though. So I will be getting my top two. See, it's not so bad that you pick third, then. That means your draft probably stinks. With my first overall pick, I will say hello, friends, and take Jim Nance. Okay. Okay. All right. That's a great pick. He's the classic. I grew up walking him NFL on CBS. I mean, all the golf coverage. I think, for me personally, as a NFL, college basketball, and golf fan, he just checks all the boxes for me. That run that Jim Nance has the best two-week period of anybody in life. I say it every single (laughs) year. Every year he calls the Final Four, the National Championship game, and then he's at Augusta His mid-March to mid-April is going to be my first month of life when I die and go to heaven, hopefully. 100%. And then every other year or so, it's just off the Super Bowl, too. Yep. And then he spends the summer calling golf, Uh nice and relaxed, and then he does NFL football for the fall and... Good times. He's Jim Nance. He gets to uh-huh. hang out like, with Tony, on. too. What a life. You know that Great Jim, life. Jim Nance in his backyard has a golf hole? Mm-hmm. I drove by his house hole. one time, oh, you actually, did? when I was out over there in like Monterey, Pebble Beach area one time. It's right near like the famous however many mile by drive Beach. is around there. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful, beautiful If area. you hit a hole in one on that hole, he puts a plaque in his house. Really? Of you. That's awesome. Hitting that hole in one. That's really cool. This is, this is true. Very cool. I can remember all this ridiculous stuff, but I can't remember like to take the garbage out. But I remember these. It's the important things in yes, life, exactly. right? Yes. When are you ever going to get to benefit from a plaque of yourself in Jim Nance's house? I would want a plaque. Dude, you of can myself. just walk around and say that there's a plaque of you up in Jim Nance's house. Prove Who it. wouldn't want to say that? Prove it. Better than drinking. You would take a photo Mountain of Dew. it, or have Jim send you yeah, a photo of it. Yeah, I have Jim Nance's number. If you go to his house and hit a hole in one on his golf hole in his backyard, you will have his phone number. Okay. Back that, to Jordan. This is such Excuse a hard me? pick. We're not doing snake draft? No, we're not doing snake. No, we're Get not out doing of here. Snake. Get out of here. I'm winning here. Get we're out of here. Okay. I, I didn't know we weren't doing snake draft. No snake. Okay. Going in order. I'm skipping over somebody else in the sport who many would take ahead of my pick, but my favorite call right now in sports. Bang! Great pick. I'm taking Mike Breen. Great pick. I've got to have the bang. The double bang. Bang! Bang! He's so good, dude. How he has capitalized off one word is amazing. Remember, he was bing bonging for a second too. He's he going bing bong bong. for a little bit. Oh. <laughs> and this is the thing: like a lot of play-by-play guys, as good as they are, as consistent as they are, like there's a hook with them. Jim Nance, right. hello, friends. Mike Breen, bang. Right. I don't know if my pick here has a hook. He's just one of the greatest of all time. I love you, Mike Tirico. 
who tonight is the first NBC broadcast officially, Tariko, Chris Collinsworth, I believe Melissa Stark is the sideline reporter. How dare you shove the great Al Michaels aside and put him on Amazon? Mm-hmm. Al Michaels, who, by the way, in his life has never eaten a vegetable. Yep. One of my favorite fun facts in the history of fun facts. Refuses to eat vegetables, has never eaten a vegetable. In and his is life. like a very healthy 70-something-year-old man. Eats steak like five times a week. It's, I've listened to many interviews with Al Michaels over the years. The dude is 75 and has not lost one bit of his fastball. And NBC is still putting him out the pasture. And look, Amazon, I'm sure they're paying him well. He's going to be doing it with Kirk so. Herbstreet. It's good for them. They're going to sell a lot more Prime subscriptions. But don't be putting my man Al Michaels out the pasture yet. The greatest play-by-play Al Michaels ever did was on the OJ chase, by the way. Mm-hmm. As he informed Peter Jennings that this a, a prank caller from the Howard Stern show was on the line. <laughs> That's a whole different topic for a different day. So Al Michaels is my second pick. Over to Josh for his second pick, six overall. Well, well, you just tipped my second pick, the guy who bumped Al Michaels off of his chair at NBC. I'll go with Mike Tirico. Okay. By the way... Um, First Syracuse alum. Yes. Off the board with pick six. Thankfully, being at Syracuse, I've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to speak to Mike on Zooms once or twice and various opportunities. And the times I have, he's just been an incredibly nice, welcoming guy and very happy to speak to all the students here at SU and obviously is very great at his job and has taken him so many amazing places. Here's what I'll give Tariko. He's the most versatile play-by-play guy out there. He can do any sport. He can Not do even sport. just can do any sport, can do any sport, play-by-play, host in studio, do anything. He's got more. He's a Swiss Army knife. You name it, he can do it. The Olympics, football. Didn't he go straight from the Olympics to football last? To the, like, to the <laughs> Super Bowl. Just turn around. My nope. man was calling hockey for NBC <laughs> in their final days. With the, was the he NHL. really? Yeah. The guy can do it. That's anything. awesome. Golf, I mean, amazing. Jordan, over to you. Here we go. I'm showing my basketball bias a little bit, but I feel like I'm stealing here. I thought for sure this name would go in between uh, my last pick, Mike Breen, and my pick here, but it didn't. We're sticking Syracuse. Give me Marv Albert. Good pick. Great pick. Great pick. The voice of basketball. Like, Vin Scully was the soundtrack of baseball, and there's just no disputing that. Nothing against Mike Breen. The soundtrack of the NBA's Marv Albert. Yes! There's another guy. Catchphrase. Simple word. Mm -hmm. Amazing. The longevity, the consistency. He is the soundtrack of the NBA. Spectacular. He he, he was a Hall of Famer like seven, eight years ago. Spectacular. Still alive. Got to take him. Now, a lot of these names, pretty much all these names, are national broadcasters. Play-by-play, play, though, is inherently local, okay? Who you're influenced by, the team that you listen to, and even in an era where television takes over, here's where my bias will show, and this may be previewing something coming soon during football season, friends, so stay tuned to that. Bookmark With this. The next pick, which is, where are we, eighth overall? I select John Murphy, the voice of your 
Buffalo Murph, the man. And that's three Syracuse alums in a row. We, we, we went on a heater there after not having any Syracuse alums. Now we have three in a row. Before that, it was Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller is no longer with us. But like, that's just the soundtrack of my life. I literally turn down the TV and listen to Murph. We have the Buffalo Bills. So nice little show for the company over on K-Rock, and we may or may not be talking to John Murphy a lot in the fall, so stay tuned for that. That would be awesome. We'll tease for you, friends. That'll be very John cool Murphy. for me. Axe dropping spoilers on a random Thursday. Mm-hmm. And for my third pick, let's just go ahead and stay right in Buffalo, and I'll take Rick Jenneret. Rick Jenneret. Did it for, what, 50 years? I mean, how can you not love the guy? He has been the voice of the Sabres for... The entire existence of the organization. Not having him is going to be very, very weird and odd to get used to, but obviously we'll have to do it. And absolute legend in the industry. Top shelf where Mama hides the cookies. One of my favorite lines. Shout out to Rick Jenneret. Back over to Jordan. So we come down the home stretch here. Final three picks of the draft. I'm really stuck here. Okay, this one's going to be painful, but uh, I've got to do it. Uh, we all know where my baseball fandom lies. However, uh, I grew up in a, an Italian household full of Yankees fans. <laughs> yes, network, always on the TV. The first home run I ever saw live, or while it was happening, not live in person, was Jason Giambi. And I will never, ever, ever lose. See ya. I'll never forget that call. It's my favorite home run call. I've got to go K. I do. I'm sorry, Sox Nation. I have to. His voice is so soothing. His voice is so soothing. His voice is so soothing, Brian. I, I, it's so. I'm going to take I that Mountain Dew gold so and I'm going to dump it all over your head. I, the fact really that you would take content. Michael K over Joe Castiglione. I'm sorry. Is, I'm sorry. Is a disgrace. You I'm can sorry. apologize a million times. I will never forgive you for this. I didn't take John Sterling. <laughs> Fair, but you took the Yankees announcer. Over the the legend, I would have taken Sterling over K. Joe Castiglione. That that shame on you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's what I grew up with. I did not expect to get angry during this draft. Good. Uh, Surprised he fell this far. I know he is polarizing. I don't know why because I think he's one of the best at what he does. I enjoy him, and by saying I enjoy him and by making this pick, I'm going to probably maybe even split the room. My final pick, completing my Mount Rushmore, Joe Buck. I knew that's okay. where you were going as soon as you started that. Joe Buck, who just got paid half of Fort Knox to take over for Monday Night Football away from Fox. Is Joe Buck going to do anything else for ESPN or just called I'm Monday not Night sure. Football? He did. What was it that he did? Oh, it was like I think one it was of the, the PGA. It was like a Manning cast like thing a for Michael yeah, Collins. But, yeah. yeah. Give me a break with that. Uh-huh. I mean, good gig if you can get it. Right. Getting paid, well, he's getting paid just to call four months of football. Like, sign me up for that. And but. honestly, when it comes time that he's calling those games, you think people are going to be watching him or they'll be watching Payton and Eli? Great question. He is polarizing, as we said. Josh, you have the last word. We'll stay local. I got to take him. I mean, if we were just doing straight up voices I've heard the most in my life, it probably goes my mother, my father, my sister, and then this man, Gary Cohen. Okay. One of the best play-by-play guys I Great think pick. there is in the business. Best booth in Major League Baseball is Gary Keith and Ron. I've listened to him my entire life. I'm going to spend my entire weekend listening to him. 
and he's the best in the business. That booth is the best local booth. By far. In Major League Baseball. They're I don't fun. even think Television. it's close. They're so fun. And it's not even close. They're the best. Who did we miss? We missed a couple. Who did not get picked? Miss Brent Musburger. Eh. Should Gus Johnson have gotten some love? I can He's, I can I can I just say overrated. I agree. <laughs> overrated. I agree. A little too much for me. Gus is a little too much for me. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. Iron Eagle. I almost took Iron that's, Eagle. That's 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 a bad misfire. I was close, that's but I had too much. Misfire. I had too much basketball. Um, that's I, a bad misfire. Can I can I can I take a pick back? Can I pick Iron Eagle over Joe Buck? <laughs> Only because it's Joe Buck, I'll allow it. If I'll you, allow it. If, if you want. If you want. This is history. Hold on. We're getting word here from our, our producer. In my wait. We have a trade. We have a trade. <laughs> I am trading Iron Eagle for Joe Buck. Oh! Sorry, Joe. Has this ever happened? You're out. This is the first trade in Mount Rushmore draft history. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. I should not have. Your soapbox about Joe Buck <laughs> being polarizing and everything. He's and great. Then, and then he just ditched him. But I traded him. Funny. He's fine. He's he'll, he'll go count his money to get over it. <laughs> uh, so Kevin Harlan, Doc Emmerich, Jim Nance, Mike Breen, Al Michaels, Mike Tarico, Marv Albert, John Murphy, Rick Jenneret, Michael K. <laughs> How dare you? Joe Buck, but traded for Iron Eagle and Gary Cohen. I will say the other name Good we list. missed that Good I was list. surprised we didn't get to Vern Lunkist. Okay. He is alive, no longer working, but certainly amazing. Why we'll, I specifically we'll break on that, that note. Get the great <laughs> David Hale on next from ESPN. Stay right there. You're on the block. ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com.